Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. If you've noticed, I've tried to focus on one subject in each episode of late, concentrating on a single deep dive rather than treetopping across multiple topics. In this episode, I'm going to essentially focus on one topic, what Rajan Rondo going to the Lakers means. But I do want to follow up on the previous episode's topic, why Damian Lillard should stay in Portland, because of something that happened since I recorded it. And that is the three-team trade that sent the Blazers' Derek Jones Jr. to Chicago, Lowry Markinen to Cleveland, and Larry Nance Jr. to the Blazers. I know you've heard this before, but in this case... It's nonetheless true. This is a deal that makes sense for all three teams. The Blazers needed a mobile big who can play pick and roll D better than Yusuf Nurkic and play pick and pop or roller at the other end. Nurk is just not a good fit when the Blazers face a small ball opponent. He's also generally more concerned about his offense than providing stout D. Nance will give them the exact opposite. Zach Collins was supposed to fill that role, but his inability to stay healthy apparently convinced the Blazers they couldn't wait to find out if he could change that. As for Derek Jones being expendable, well, Portland acquired him to be a 3-and-D guy, and he wasn't proficient enough at either end for the Blazers' needs. Norman Powell was, which is why they gave him the big bag and locked him up. This is a trade with what's best for Damian Lillard in mind. They want guys who can protect him, 
defending pick and rolls, and space the floor on offense so he can work his magic. I'm going to bet most fans will be surprised to learn that Nance shot 36% on threes while taking three a game last season. Because, let's be honest, few people spent time watching the Cavs on a regular basis. I know I didn't. And 36% on three shots a night is solid efficiency from that range. It's basically what Collins provided when he was available. Those who are dissatisfied with the deal for the Blazers, because it's not a big enough name, not an all-star to put alongside Lollard, that's your interpretation of what they need, not his or theirs. They need defenders and floor spacers, first and foremost. Besides, technically, they have had or acquired all-star talent during Lillard's time. LaMarcus Aldridge, Chris Kamen, and Mo Williams. Now, I know those aren't great names, and they were, except for Aldridge, one-time all-stars. But if you believe Lillard needs another bonafide all-star, you're essentially saying you don't believe in him. The Blazers are saying, we believe in you, Dame. We believe in your ability to lead, to score in the clutch, to be the special spark to our offense, to be our LeBron, to be our Kawhi, to be our KD, to be our Steph. We need to put as many grinders and defenders and floor spacers around you as we can. That's both by design and, quite honestly, necessity. Because the truth is, all-stars in their prime don't look at Portland as a destination. It took a Carmelo Anthony desperate to resurrect his career and having no one else willing to give him that platform to get a former all-star to come to Portland. Here are the biggest free agent signings in Blazers history. Brian Grant, who joined a title contending team with Rasheed Wallace, Jermaine O'Neal, Scottie Pippen, Arvidas Sabonis, Steve Smith, and Damon Stoudemire. Kenny Anderson, Wes Matthews, and Rod Strickland. And Rod was probably the best of them. Matthews was the most recent of them, and that was 11 years ago. Meanwhile, I can't wait to see Derek Jones, Zach Levine, and Lonzo Ball on the break. That is going to be entertaining as hell. The Cavs get a player far more offensively skilled in Markinen than Nance, who will benefit from practicing against Kevin Love every day. I don't know if Markinen can live up to expectations, but it's worth a gamble for a team like Cleveland. If Markinen makes the grade with the Cavs, he is far more likely to stay with them because they bet on him when no one else would. Blame GM Neil Olshay all you want for not landing a big name to put next to Lillard. But first, you're going to have to give me the star player who was available and had the Blazers on his list. The pending move I want to focus on, though, is Rajon Rondo joining the Lakers. It hasn't officially happened yet, but I expect that it will. In fact, I told you a couple of episodes ago to look for that to happen if Rondo didn't stay in Memphis. You're welcome. And this is going to sound hypocritical to Lakers fans who think I have it out for their team, that I only look for the negative when it comes to the purple and gold. 
That, of course, is categorically untrue. And I have the receipts. I voted and stumped for LeBron James as the league MVP his second year with them. Before it was decided that Giannis Antetokounmpo was the MVP. And afterward, when I said that LeBron deserved it more. I picked the Lakers as the favorite going into last season to repeat as champions. In large part because I supported their acquisition of Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Gasol and Wes Matthews, and I expected Anthony Davis to take all that he had learned and proved winning a title in the bubble and to build on it. I would say Schroeder worked out, which is why they tried to re-sign him, even though he's no longer there. Gasol obviously didn't. And AD did whatever is the opposite of building on what he did in the bubble. Resting on your laurels. AD personified that concept last season before he got hurt. I won't even mention Wes Matthews. Expected him to be better than Danny Green. He's no longer there because, quite simply, he was not. I thought Rondo was exactly the player the Clippers needed last season when they acquired him for Lou Williams. I would still make that move because it was addition by subtraction. They needed to move on from Sweet Lou after he betrayed them by visiting a strip club and violating COVID protocol in the bubble. He wasn't the only reason they imploded in Orlando, but he was certainly one of them. The Rondo move for the Clippers ultimately didn't work because Rondo didn't become playoff Rondo. Those who say the Clippers should have played him in the playoffs more than they did weren't paying attention. They gave him basically the same minutes when the playoffs started as the Lakers gave him the year before, 20-plus. And he faded as the series went on, mightily. Delivered early, could not sustain it. He was 1-for-12 in the final three games against the Mavs, 1-for-7 from three. They couldn't afford to stay with him. Not only could he not make shots, he couldn't guard anyone. His offensive and defensive ratings for the playoffs, for the Clippers, were flipped on their head from what he did for the Lakers. 115 offensive rating, 108 defensive rating for the Lakers, and then for the Clippers, 109 offensive rating, 117 defensive rating. He looked washed. In hindsight, I can't help but think the bubble was a huge benefit to him. Not having to travel. Not having to play in front of hostile crowds. It's just a completely different atmosphere. And one that benefited veteran players. He was still a decent playmaker for the Clips, but I don't know how much the Lakers will be able to take advantage of that part of his game this time around. I feel as if I've already seen this experiment for the Lakers, and it was with Marcus Gasol. Now, I thought his playmaking and floor savvy at the offensive end would compensate for his defense. I was told by executives on other teams when he struggled during the regular season, and I questioned whether he could still do that, that they had acquired him for a half dozen or key games in the postseason. And that's what we should wait for. Well, that's exactly what I expected the Clippers to get out of Rondo. And Gasol's offensive contribution against the Suns for the Lakers was pretty damn good. 
but he couldn't begin to stop DeAndre Ayton or anybody else. So as proficient and productive as he was, he was a total of minus 31 for the series. Rondo returning to his previous Lakers form doesn't take into account that the Lakers didn't have another ball-dominant point guard like Russell Westbrook in the, pub- in the bubble. And Russ doesn't have the game to play off Rondo directing the show. I also don't see how they're going to be able to keep him on the floor defensively without Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Alex Caruso to take the toughest perimeter assignments. Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, and Kendrick Nunn aren't in the same class as those three defensively. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's clear the Lakers have decided that being the best defensive team in the league last year wasn't going to get it done with such a limited offensive arsenal. So they've decided to go the exact opposite direction. Maybe they saw what the Nets did and are of the mind that that is the way to go in today's NBA. The only true defensive player they added was Dwight Howard while losing, as I mentioned, a slew of them. And Howard will help, no question. But will he be enough? As much as I admire how he has played the last two years, if I'm an opponent... I can't wait to get Westbrook and or Rondo in pick and rolls with Howard. The argument or theory I've heard about how the Lakers will make this work is that they will get an energy boost from Russell and ride Monk and Nunn and Taylor and Horton Tucker in the regular season, preserving Carmelo and Rondo and Trevor Ariza and Wayne Ellington for the playoffs. It might make sense if those four had ever played together before. But they need time to develop playoff-level chemistry as much as any other group of Lakers. You're also asking Coach Frank Vogel to mix and match lineups and rotations throughout the season, and then again in the playoffs. And that is not his forte. He is a formulaic coach. He devises a rotation for a game, and he does not stray from his planned substitution pattern, regardless of how a particular game is going, unless injury simply forces it. Now, maybe he makes that leap, but you're asking him to do something he's never done before or demonstrated that he's capable of. His answer when things got tough or the team struggled was simply to play LeBron and AD more minutes. Westbrook and Mello did play together in OKC, but it was with mixed results. Rondo and AD were good in New Orleans and again together in the bubble. Are you putting all four on the floor together? Are you platooning them? Again, you're asking Vogel to work that out, and that requires playing or coaching by feel, not by formula. 
it is a tall, if not impossible, order. Now, having an 82-game season does offer a longer runway. And I don't think having home court advantage is necessary with the Lakers' wealth of veteran experience. They're not going to be rattled by having to play on the road in a hostile environment, as they like to say. But this roster is going to demand that Vogel did what Ty Lue did with the Clippers last year, to not be afraid to mix and match, change starting lineups and rotations from game to game if necessary. And that means convincing Westbrook and Ariza and Carmelo and Rondo that sometimes they're going to have to sit and sometimes they're going to play. He didn't have to do any of that in the bubble. Nor did he. LeBron, AD, KCP, and Danny Green started every game. JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard started 18 of 21 at center. And it was no different last year versus the Suns. LeBron and Schroeder started every game. AD, KCP, and Andre Drummond started all but one. Now consider what Lou did in comparison. Eight different players started six or more games. Paul George was the only starter for all 19. Ten different players played in 11 or more. My expectations for the Lakers this time last year turned out to be wrong. So there's always the chance I could be wrong again. But for that to happen... Vogel is going to have to be a mastermind at both ends of the floor. And he's going to have to do it without Jason Kidd and Lionel Holland sitting next to him. And he's going to have to handle far more strong-headed players, such as Westbrook and Ariza and Carmelo, than he had in the bubble. Excuse me for needing to see it before I believe it. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As I said last week, inspired by LeBron James' question as to why the NBA has never tried to develop a series like the NFL's Hard Knocks, I'm going to look into the closest version that the NBA came up with and ultimately why that went away and why they've never tried to replicate it. I have a few theories and thoughts as to why, but I'm also getting some info from the league as to why they've never gone down that road. That will be potentially in the next podcast if something else more germane doesn't come along. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.